Hey everybody, this is Jake Walker and you're listening to Living for the Day, a podcast that exists to encourage and equip people to live in light of the day of Jesus' return. I'm really excited for today's episode. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There's something to realizing that our days are numbered that can lead us to gaining a heart of wisdom. In a sense, wanting to make the most of what we've been given and entrusted with. And that that's what this episode's all about. It's about stewardship, about stewarding our lives well. And I asked someone who I look up to so much. Uh, his name is Tom Hughes. He's the co-lead pastor of Christian Assembly Church. He's my pastor and um, just a dear mentor, a dear leader in my life. And I'm so thankful for him. And uh, I think he's an incredible steward. Um, of the resources God's entrusted him with, so I've asked him to share. So let's just jump right into this episode. Here we go. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Living for the Day. I'm so excited because I have my pastor here, Tom Hughes, who's the pastor of Christian Assembly Church. Tom, thanks for being on Living for the Day today. Jake, thanks so much for having me on. So excited. This feels um, a little bit like Christmas Day for me, getting to to uh, just talk with Tom and get to uh, just hear his wisdom and share that with everybody listening to Living for the Day. just want to say, Tom, I just honor you. I'm so thankful for you. Thanks for being such an amazing pastor in my life, so many people's lives, um, and such a mentor and leader to me. I just honor you, and I'm so thankful for you. That's oh, kind of you, Jake. And every kind word you said, I would just return back to you. You're somebody that I admire, look up to, and enjoy getting to serve alongside. Thank you, Tom. That means a lot coming from you. We're on this podcast today all about heaven, about living for the day, living for the day that we see Jesus face to face. Mm -hmm. I know you and I are so excited for that day. Um, And we want to be faithful stewards with what God's given us. And so that's kind of, you know, the, the main kind of idea I wanted to talk with you. I so look up to the way that you make decisions and steward your life. And so I'm excited to hear from you on that topic and, and, um, let listeners hear from you on that. But I wanted to start, Tom, what motivates you, what encourages you to live with that eternal perspective, to live for the day? There's a quote by A.W. Tozer where he speaks about the long tomorrow when he's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And I, that quote always rings in my mind because the time that we have here is so short and yet eternity is so long right. that it would only make logical sense since those are revealed in God's word to us that we would make the most of the short moments we have to impact the long tomorrow as Tozer calls it. Right. I think of that verse, teach me to number my days, Mm -hmm. Lord, it's that I might have a heart of wisdom. Exactly. So good. Thank you for that. Tom, um, what are you, what are some things uh, that you're just excited for, for heaven, for the eternal state, for once, you know, this earthly life is over and we are with Jesus for eternity. Yeah. yeah, I think obviously the thing I'm most excited is to see Jesus face to face. 
But then I think about all the descriptors in, in Scripture, both in Isaiah or Revelation, that talk about the new heaven and the new earth, a place where the curse of the fall of humanity is no longer um, in effect. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, what, what does creation even look like? What is it even, um, how do we even experience it whenever it's no longer fallen? I mean, I'm convinced colors will be different, sounds will be different. Wow. Um, just like we as people will be different. The curse in the fall didn't only affect people. It affected all mm. of creation. And so how will that be different? The other thing uh, that I'm excited about, just honestly, because of when we speak of heaven, we're really speaking about the new heaven and the new earth being brought together, being unified, as we see in uh, the latter chapters of Revelation. Um, just the joy of getting to go and experience all sorts of places and peoples and cultures that I've never gotten to experience yeah. so far, um, on this earth and knowing that when I experience them, I'll be experienced the very best of them, the redeemed culture, the redeemed creation, not just the fallen culture or fallen creation. Yeah. I remember you said something in passing the other day about you're not too worried to have this big bucket list because you got eternity exactly. to, <laughs> to do a lot of things. That's right. Yeah. That's so good. Tom, you know, uh, you're such a faithful and fruitful man, uh, and pastor, and, um, you have a lot of decisions that you make, you know, every day and, uh, and a lot of pressure on you. I'd love to, for our listeners to hear what's something or a couple things that just keep you strong in the Lord that help you mm-hmm. to sustain your love for Jesus, um, that help you to stay strong, to live for the day, uh, you know, amidst the pressures of being, uh, you know, just a man of God, but also a leader in God's kingdom. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that many of your listeners might think of like the spiritual disciplines, um, having a regular rhythm and practice of that, paying attention to which discipline helps strengthen which area of my interior life. Wow. So I think sometimes with spiritual disciplines, people can think, you know, just pick any of them and they're all the same and they all have the same impact. That's not really the view I would take. So I think like solitude would have a different impact on me than the spiritual discipline of celebration, for example, or fasting might have a different um, impact on me than maybe the spiritual discipline of generosity and giving. So paying attention to my interior world, paying attention to um, where I feel excited and feel content and peaceful in Christ or where I might feel worried or wobbly or weak, and then matching the spiritual discipline to strengthen that area. It's kind of like if somebody's working on their physical body, they wouldn't just go into the gym and say, well, uh, my my biceps feel weak, so I'm going to do some leg workouts. Well, you can work out your legs all you want. It's not going to strengthen your biceps. So mm-hmm. you need to match the spiritual exercise and discipline to match the the area where you feel a sense of weakness. So that helps strengthen me in the interior world. Wow, that's so good. And uh, thanks for being a pastor and a leader who lives out that value of... Um, integrity and character and being someone who, who really lives it out uh, yourself. I so appreciate that about you. I, I know we're starting a series on prayer and love that um, that's the foundation of who you are, that you're mm. a man of prayer. So thanks for that. Well, I'd love to talk um, a little bit about this theme of stewardship, Tom, and 
you know, not just finances, but I was thinking of just, you know, God on this, like we're talking about this short earthly life, he's generous. And I remember that, you know, you've recently, uh, I think you did a sermon maybe when we were out on the football field, uh, uh, doing church, um, just about how one of the fundamental characteristics of God is his generosity. Mm -hmm. And I love that view. I love seeing God as so generous because that's the reality. I mean, that's what the Bible says. So he's entrusted us, entrusted us with a lot. And I, I just want to pick your brain a little bit about what motivates you to be such a great steward, um, how you are a great steward, how you make decisions. And so I'd love to just kind of throw it open for you and ask you, what is stewardship kind of not just finances, but also our relationships, our energy, our everything. What does that have to do with living for the day um, to you? Yeah. I think of John 17, it's Jesus's longest recorded prayer. One of the things he says in there when he's praying to the Father, he says, now they know, Father, that everything I have is a gift that you've given me. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if, you know, you can learn a lot about somebody by listening to their prayers. Wow. And even when I listen to my own prayers, when I think about my own prayers, wow. I think, well, if I was somebody else listening in, what would this reveal about my heart, about my goals, about my intention, yeah. right? And so we're listening in on Jesus's prayer there in John 17, where he says that. And that view that everything I have is a gift from the Father wow. is, is a foundational view to understand generosity. Um, I do believe that personally, that generosity is one of the core attributes of God. I I think his grace is generous. I think his forgiveness is generous. I think his mercy is generous. I think creation is generous. I think the fact that he sustains us is generous. I think the fact that he gives us spiritual gifts is generous, that he gives us the Holy Spirit when we ask him to give us the good gift of the Holy Spirit is generous. So I see this theme of generosity, even into the people that are my brothers and sisters in Christ. To not take them for granted, Mm. you know, Jake, to not take you for granted or the others that we know that are brothers and sisters in Christ, to not take their salvation for granted, to not take my salvation for granted, to not take for granted the fact that we're siblings uh, under the fatherhood of God and what that means for us with one another. So really, I think that foundational idea of everything we have is a gift, and that comes from the generosity of God it makes me want to steward that well. Hmm. Stewardship, you know, is the idea that you've been entrusted with something. We see it all through scripture from Genesis where God entrusts the earth Mm. and the animals um, to Adam and Eve for their care and for their stewardship. We see it all the way through to like the parable of the talents right there in that parable that Jesus tells they're each trusted with differing amounts of talents, but they're all entrusted with something. Right. And so understanding, you know, everything I have is a gift from you, God, from the money to the relationships, to the friendships, to the job I have, to the day that you've given me, I want to make the most of it, not in a way that we're driven or compulsive, mm. but in a way that is just com- uh, compelled or, or in a sense, motivated out of gratitude for all of so the sheer wonder of, of God's generosity. Wow. That's so good. Tom, something I'm thinking about right now is when you think of some of the, the, the promises of God, you know, and I think, you know, in, I looked at them up earlier, but Luke 16 is the parable of the shrewd manager. 
uh, Luke 19, the 10 minas, and Matthew 25, the bags of gold, some of these. And the master, you know, to a lot to a lot of the, the people that he's entrusted to says, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll, you know, reward. Here's Here's a reward, you know. Do you kind of think of that, Tom, in terms of both will see reward here on this earth, but also living for the day, you know, in eternity? Do you see that as both? Do you see that primarily more eternity? Do you see that, you know, primarily earthly? Just, I think I, Tom, just to like, I feel really motivated. And I think God made us to be motivated by reward as a piece of kind of, you know, um, how he wired us and designed us and say, hey, there's reward in obedience, there's reward in this. And I'm just, can you talk any any bit about how to keep your desires, you know, pure in terms of like this is not all about me, and yet also there is reward and there's eternal reward. There's also earthly reward. Anything, yeah. anything about that? Yeah, I think part of it is setting our expectation of what the reward is mm-hmm. and when it comes and how it comes, and making certain those are all biblical. That's good expectations. Um, but to your question of like, does that reward come now? Does it come? Later, I, I would say it comes both. And because of my high expectations of the new heaven and new earth, I would say that probably we would say the greatest reward comes then. But it's not like the father's stingy and saying, well, it's only going to be then that you wow. get the reward. That's so good. So, for example, in the parable of the uh, talents or the bags of gold, it's referred to differently. But um, when they're rewarded, they're given a talent. Two of them, the first two go with urgency at once, we're told, to make the most, wow. to invest it, to make the most of what they can with it. And they're giving different talent amounts. The last one goes and hides it, if you know the, for those that know yeah. the parable, and buries it because there are fear. And the fear is fundamentally fear of the master, mm-hmm. that you're not a generous person, even though he had just been given this bag of gold, and that you're harsh. And so ultimately, when I think about reward, it's like the beginning of the reward is saying, no, God's generous. I'm going to see God and his work through his generosity. That alone is a reward. Wow. Because you begin to be generous with others. When you're generous with others, all sorts of things happen that wouldn't happen if you weren't generous. Wow. That's good. Good works get done. You get to be part of something. Your life is filled with purpose. And it could be financial generosity. It can also just be the generosity of believing the best about someone when maybe you might be tempted to believe the worst about them. You you know, you're filling that gap with either trust or suspicion. You choose to be generous, fill it with trust that gives you a good reward. Even in that moment, you're not importing a bitter root into your mind or into your heart or into your, your soul. The other thing I would say in that parable is that part of the way the master rewards them is by giving them more responsibility. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can think that responsibility is a negative thing. Like, Mm. you know, that the goal is to retire so you don't have any responsibility. But ultimately in scripture, what we see is that you're rewarded by, in a sense, being given more people or things to influence with a godly influence. So some of it is, the reward that happens now, it's like if you're faithful with one friendship and you do a great job with one friendship, I think ultimately God's going to see that transform you as you do a great job being a great friend to someone. And he'll eventually bring others to you that would be either in need of a friend or maybe would be a great friend to you. 
So all across scripture, what I see is that principle, when you're faithful with a little, God will eventually grow that or use that or give you more. And the reality is, is that, you know, if you start with one friend and then you have five or 10 or however many you end up with, you still are doing the core thing that you had to do from the beginning, which is stewarding each of those friendships well, Hmm. making time and space for them, honoring them, loving them as you would want to be loved. I think it's the same thing with money. You know, you get $1, stewarding $1 in some sense is no different than stewarding 10. You just have to do it 10 times over Mm. that you had to do with the one. Um, And it's the same with opportunities that God might open up, whether in the workplace or in family. It's like we have these moments where we can steward them well. And then on the moments where we don't, to learn from them, go back, ask for forgiveness where we need to, either of God or of others. And even that process helps us become a better steward for the next time the next opportunity comes around. The great thing about stewardship is we get an opportunity to do it every single day, all day long. So we got lots of chances to be great stewards of our lives and our relationships. So good, Tom. I just wanted to throw out there when you're talking about, you know, so many opportunities come um, when you are a good steward. I was thinking of First Peter 3, 8 through 9, and I, I actually have it in the message translation. I think I have it. It says, um, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. Mm. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing. And you also get a blessing Mm -hmm. and there's both, you know, when we are generous, um, uh, obviously we're doing it to demonstrate who God is and give him glory. But so often there is this blessing that comes back. Absolutely. We see that in Genesis 12, whenever God gives a blessing to Abram as well, where it's, he blesses Abram, but he, but he says, I'm blessing you. And at the end of the blessing, so that all the families of the earth might be blessed. Praise God. So we don't have to set those at odds with each other. That's good. Like either I'm going to bless everybody else and I'll end up impoverished and not not blessed. Or because God is generous, we don't have to be afraid where we hoard the blessing, where we're like, okay, well, God's blessed me, but I can't be a blessing to others. So much of our blessing and stewardship that we do um, what we find is it, it really, you know, the old saying, you can't outgive God. Yeah. But you think about other ways we steward, like our words. It doesn't cost me anything to steward my words to bring encouragement. In fact, Jake, I think you're one of the best I've ever met at being an encouragement to people around you. Thanks. And that in no way diminishes the encouragement you feel. Right. In fact, oftentimes it multiplies it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you encourage others, you feel more encouraged as well as you lift them to point their eyes towards Christ. Yeah. So good. Tom, uh, you said that there's, you know, we get an opportunity every day to be a great steward. I love that. And maybe somebody's listening to this and I pray that they're, you know, maybe they're just saying, man, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to be a better steward. And maybe it's context specific and there would be different action steps for different areas of life. Would you say any, anything to anybody who's like, I really want to grow in being a great steward? What, where do I start? Uh, anything come to your mind, Tom, in terms of somebody who's open and said, Tom, help me. Where should I start in terms of just being a great steward? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing I would say is steward the fact that you want to grow. Don't take that for granted. Count cool. that as a gift. You know, it's, I would say, 
fairly easy to direct a growing person, mm. but it's hard to make somebody grow who doesn't want to grow. Right. And so I would steward that, God, I want to grow. I thank you that I know that the desire to grow comes from you. It's an act of your generosity that you've given me this desire. And so now help me point this desire into practical, tangible ways of growth. I think most growth that we see in the biological world, it happens almost imperceptibly. Huh. Like there's trees that have grown to be, you know, 60, 80, 100 feet tall. But if you were looking at the tree, you wouldn't have seen it grow Got it. at any point in time because it's growing so imperceptibly. Or you think about like an infant, you know, who's with the parent all day for a year. The parent might not notice as much as somebody who only sees the baby at birth and then the three month, six month, nine month, they're going to be like, wow, you've grown so much, right? The baby's grown so much. So I think as we steward growth, for me, what I would say is start small, whatever the area is, whether it's you want to steward your prayer life better or finances, relationships, your words, start small, be consistent every day. So whatever it is, if it's finances, it's, you know, budgeting, if it's, you know, you want to grow a great prayer life. Well, if you want to grow a great prayer life, you know, you don't start off by saying, okay, I, you know, I, I haven't prayed in a month, but now I'm going to go pray three hours today. That would be like somebody saying, I'm out of shape physically, but I'm going to go run a marathon today. Maybe it's a good intention to run a marathon, but any physical trainer would tell you, well, you're not going to go from not running at all to running a marathon. Or if you did, it will be painful and hurt the next day, right? <laughs> so to take those small steps and mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm going to pray three times today, two minutes each time. Yeah. So I'm going to do that in the morning, maybe my lunch break, and maybe before I go to bed at night. I'm going to make certain that I steward gratitude. So my prayers aren't just going to be requests to God. They're going to be um, acts of what am I grateful for. Might be a confession, but also a request as well. Or if you're going to steward finances, to sit down and figure out, okay, where is this week's paycheck going? And getting a budget for that. If you're going to steward your time in God's word. Okay. I'm going to read at least one verse every single day this week. I'm just going to start small. And what you find is when you start small. That over time those small things add up to make a big difference. Mm. The other thing I find is when you start small. Your capacity increases. So you might start out by saying. Well, I'm here, God, because I said I would pray two minutes a day, but you might discover on some days you end up praying five minutes wow. or you might pray 10 minutes or you might, instead of praying for one friend, you pray for three. You'll see that capacity begin to increase. And ultimately, like stewarding your prayer life, the goal isn't just that your prayer life gets longer in amount of time, but that you're beginning to connect the dots to your everyday life. Mm. You're seeing how your prayers are making a difference and impacting the world around you as well as yourself. Wow. So good. Um, a couple of things I'm hearing you say is start small and be consistent and trust that over time those things can really add up, you know, which is absolutely so in any area of life. That's how it is. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, Tom, one thing I look up to you, you make a lot of decisions I think decision making is a part of um, stewardship, and uh, I know this. It's just kind of it's hard because 
you know, uh, I'm asking you this question. I want to ask you, Tom, how do you make, you know, great decisions? You, you make so many decisions and I think you make great decisions. And I know it's kind of out of context. Like what context are we talking about? But, but, uh, you know, we were talking about something we, uh, have at Christian assembly, the learning circle. I know that that's something that's really cool for making great decisions and plans, but Tom, anything you would say maybe to someone who's like, yeah, I want to live for the day. I want to be a great steward. And I find myself making bad decisions a lot. Help me from a master decision maker. How do, how do you make great decisions, Tom? Well, I don't know that I'd say I'm a master decision maker, but <laughs> well, first I would say great decisions begin with God's word that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. So you need to know God's word. You need to understand God's word. You don't have to have a PhD in theology. Uh, That's one of the things I love about God's word is that it's accessible. People can read it, understand it. There's all sorts of great study tools and study Bibles online and otherwise that people can get. But great decisions begin with God's word. God's word is the lamp unto our feet. So that weeds out a lot of bad decisions. If you just know God's <laughs> wow, word, you apply God's word, that'll weed you through a lot of bad decisions. But let's say that you have a decision you're facing that there might not be like a good or bad, right or wrong. There's not like some verse prohibiting it or some verse telling you that, you know, you should always make this decision. It's more in the gray area of, you know, this either one could maybe be a good decision. A couple of things I would say is, you know, always take it to God in prayer, mm. paying attention to, you know, asking God for wisdom. His yeah. word tells us in James one, if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us. Um, the other thing I try to always do is pay attention to my own emotions. Huh. I think great decisions are rarely made during times of negative emotions mm-hmm. where I'm being reactive, jealous, um, angry, um, whatever it might be. I also pay attention to my own um, physical body. And what I mean by that is I try to pay attention to how much sleep I've gotten recently, what Mm. type of nutrition I'm eating. God's created us to be one person, one whole person. So, um, you know, if we had a bad night's sleep, we're less likely to make a wise, mature, great decision. So paying attention to my emotions, paying attention to my you know, my body in a sense of my tired, am I angry right now? Am I hungry? Am I lonely? Am I bored? You know, because those feelings often don't lead to good mm. decisions. Yeah, that's wise. Um, then the other thing I often think is um, I try to play the movie forward where I think, how will I judge this decision six months from now, a year from now, okay. five years from now, 10 years from now? Sometimes great decisions require short-term sacrifice. Okay. And no one likes to make, I don't like making, nobody likes to make sacrifice. But if you think of it, it's like, well, if I'm not just thinking about this moment, but how am I going to think about this in five or 10 or 15 years? For example, my son just turned 18. Uh, I had him open a a retirement account. Wow. His coworkers who were older kind of laughed at him. And, you know, it was a little bit of pain on his part to take the money he was earning as a 18 year old with a minimum wage job and put it into a retirement account. And I said, 18 year old Caleb probably won't love this decision. 65 year old Caleb will think 18 year old Caleb was a genius. Yes. Right. And so looking ahead and saying, how will I think about this decision? Um, looking back on it later. So playing the movie forward and 
looking back on it. The other thing I would say with great decisions is thinking about the impact of the decision. The bigger the decision is, I think the more time it should take to make. Some people spend too much time on small decisions and too little time on far-reaching decisions. Wow. So making certain that that if it's a wide, long-reaching decision, like who you're going to marry, <laughs> that should take you some time to figure <laughs> that out. And yeah. you should linger on that one a little bit. Where you're going to go for dinner tonight probably shouldn't take as much time, right? So, and, you know, and I'm being a little bit facetious, but my point is, is that some decisions, you can make them fairly quickly and still prayerfully, but you don't have to drag them out. Yeah. Other decisions, because you didn't drag out the million little decisions, you can create more space to really linger with them because they're going to impact either more people or impact your own life more deeply. Wow. So wise. So wise. Thank you so much for that, Tom. As we get ready to wrap up, Tom, I just love to hear, you know, thank you so much again for just taking your time uh, and stewarding your time to be on this podcast, such a gift. And just listeners are listening to choosing to listen to this, um, to, I, I believe, you know, to help them to get their eyes on eternity, get their eyes on heaven, get their eyes on, you know, that day when we see Jesus face to face. And I'm just curious, you know, is there anything you'd want to encourage people while you're kind of, you know, on this podcast right now in terms of living for the day? It's like, hey, this is something I want to encourage you in as you live for the day. Here's a topic. Here's something um, that helps me in my life to live for the day or just anything you'd like to say regarding, hey, I think this is this is going to be really helpful to you, podcast listener, to live for the day, to live for that moment when we see Jesus face to face. And then I'd love to just ask you to pray for the person listening to this podcast. Yeah. I don't know that it's so much a resource, Jake, as it's just a little phrase I have mm. um, where, and it's a common phrase. A lot of people have heard it where if I'm dealing with something that's challenging or maybe I don't understand it, maybe I'm disappointed by uh, others or I'm disappointed even with God, a prayer is unanswered that I really wanted answered, whatever it might be. Um, I think of two phrases. One, I think this too shall pass, mm. right? So just helping me understand that um, no matter what it is, time is continuing to move on, Yeah. right? And that this season I'm in, even if it's a really challenging one, isn't going to last forever. I know that from scripture, right? So this this too shall pass. And then the other thing I sometimes think is, I don't understand now, but one day I will. So. Sure. You know, some things it's like, I don't understand why that happened. I don't understand why that prayer wasn't answered in the way that I wish it was. I don't understand, um, you know, why those circumstances unfolded the way that they did. But ultimately, God doesn't promise me right here, right now, that I'm going to understand everything. But we are promised that we can have a peace that surpasses understanding. So often, I think we think, if I understood it all, then I would be at peace. Huh. And I think what God's word says, you can be at peace even if you don't understand it all. And so when those moments come, I, I'll ask God, God, would you give me your peace? Hmm. Would you give me the peace that if this is a challenging season, it's not going to last forever. And if I have questions that are answered now, one day they will be. And I can trust you in your goodness and generosity that as I keep walking into the future you have for me, that you'll meet me each step of the way. 
and you'll sustain me each moment as we walk together towards the day when I meet you face to face. Wow. Thank you for that. This too shall pass. And I may not understand this now, but one day I will. And that ministers to me even now. So thank you for that, Tom. Tom, I I love ending these episodes with just um, um, either myself or the person that I'm um, interviewing to just pray a prayer blessing and, and, Uh, So I just would love for you to pray for whoever's listening to this podcast. Whenever they're listening to this podcast, would you just pray a prayer of blessing over them uh, and whatever you feel led to pray as well as that they would be equipped and encouraged to live for the day? Well, I'm going to pray off of some themes from John 17, Jesus's longest recorded prayer, because it's where I'm camped out in God's word right now. So, Father, I pray for each and every listener that is hearing this podcast. I pray, God, that you would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you. Yes, Lord. And to know Jesus Christ, your son. I pray, God, that you would sanctify them by your word. God, that you would unify them with other believers, that you would make them one. Yes. That they would know that every need that they have, you are able to meet as they come to you. Yes, Lord. I pray, God, that you would surround them with people that they can reach out to, to point them to you, but also others who already know you, that there might be mutual encouragement. Yes, Lord. I bless each listener with a heart for your word. Yes, Lord. God, fill us with your spirit, as you say that if we ask, the Father will give the good gift of the Holy Spirit to each one who asks. Change us anew from the inside out. Teach us to be people who hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into my joy and take even more responsibility to find even greater purpose, not only in your life, but in your eternity. God, make this true of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tom, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jake, for having me on. It was my privilege. All right. Well, wasn't that awesome? So thankful for Pastor Tom. And uh, yeah, like I said, that last line he said, I don't understand now, but one day I will. It's just really ministering to me, really encouraging me. Um, Thanks so much for listening. I wanted to share the nugget. Is this strange idea, but very interesting uh, and awesome is that God's redeemed people in heaven will actually judge the angels. What? What what does that mean? I don't exactly know what it means, but it does come from 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, It says this in verse 2. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Here's a passage where we probably, you know, don't want to pretend we know more than we do know, but wow, that's so interesting and just thought I'd share it as the nugget that we will judge angels. There you go. (laughs) Well, um, thank you so much for listening. So appreciate you. Let's live for the day. Let's be great stewards of uh, all that God has entrusted with us. Life is short, eternity's long. Let's live for the day. God bless you.